This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. Thanks for being here. Happy New Year to everybody listening. As the clock struck midnight and we ushered in 2024, we here at the Preservation Oaks podcast wish to extend our warmest wishes to you and your loved ones. May this year be filled with joy, discovery, and a multitude of historical tales to be learned and puzzles waiting to be unraveled. 2023 was a year of fascinating journeys through the annals of time, exploring the roots and stories that bind our country together. And now as we step into 2024, the pages of history await our eager exploration once again. Get ready for a year brimming with new episodes, riveting interviews, and fresh perspectives from around the United States. We will learn things that we never imagined about the people and places we visit. Together, we'll gain new perspectives from our guest stars, our Preservation Oaks, who take us episode by episode on journeys through the corridors of time. And as we continue this journey, we are thrilled to have you with us on this historical and genealogical adventure. So fasten your seatbelt. The new year holds the promise of exciting revelations, untold stories, and a deeper connection to our shared heritage. Thank you for being a part of our family, and as always, thank you to our superstar Preservation Oaks guests who preserve and protect our country's culture, heritage, and history. Volunteer, join, and please, please support them all you can. So here's to a happy new year filled with historic wonders and genealogical discoveries. Cheers to 2024. And now we have a great program for you today. For this episode, we greet Mrs. Anne-Marie Amstad, Secretary of the Board of Directors of the Sandy Historical Society, and Mr. Ken Funk, the Office Supervisor for the Sandy Historical Society in Sandy, Oregon. Since 1926, the Sandy Historical Society and Museum has served as the custodian and curator of the rich history of the Sandy area. The museum houses a wealth of information, including details about the founding family of Sandy, captivating displays on the mid-1800s logging industry, 
and a variety of other fascinating exhibits. By the end of this episode, I believe that like me, you will see the inherent value in this Preservation Oak organization and will want to join them in their mission. I'm Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature information about museums, cultural and heritage institutions, associations, historical and genealogical societies, and history-focused media creators across the United States. By the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com. But you can find us on nearly all podcast platforms, as well as Rumble, Getter, Minds, TikTok, Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. So wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have comments or questions about the program, spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we meet with Oswego Heritage Council. The mission of the Oswego Heritage Council is to preserve and promote the history and culture of Lake Oswego, Oregon. They are headquartered at the Oswego Heritage House and Museum located at 398 10th Street in Lake Oswego. We'll be meeting with Ms. Catherine Sinor, the Executive Director of the Council. And I've been looking forward to this episode for some time. I have exciting news just in from the Onega, Kansas Historical Society. We're thrilled to share the highly positive update that their latest building project is officially underway. The groundbreaking has taken place and the substantial 60 by 105 foot platform has been successfully installed and sealed. The plumbing, electrical work, and sidewalks have been installed, marking significant progress in the project's development. The current trajectory is on track to have the structure standing proudly by the end of March 2024. Truly marvelous news. It's important to note that the interior finishing touches will be carried out based on the generous donations received. This milestone marks a quantum leap for Onega, providing a climate-controlled haven crucial for preserving the invaluable historical artifacts held by the society on behalf of the community. To our friends in Onega, your continued donations are paramount in ensuring the completion of the interior. Let's keep the momentum going, guys. Kudos to Onega for a job well done. You can make a worthwhile donation by mail by sending a check to P.O. Box 61, Onega, Kansas, 66521. You can also email them at onegahistory at gmail.com. When you reach out, say hello to Debbie Burgess, Linda Rogenkamp, or Dale Renfro for me. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical January events for this episode, on January 1st, 1776, During the American Revolution, George Washington unveiled the first national flag in America, the Grand Union Flag. On January 1, 1979, the United States established diplomatic relations with the People's Republic of China and recognized it as the sole legitimate government of China. 
On January 2nd, 1788, Georgia became the fourth state to be admitted to the Union. January 3rd, 1959, Alaska became the 49th state to be admitted to the Union. On January 4th, 1821, Elizabeth Ann Bailey Seton, the founder of the first American Congregation of Religious Sisters, the Sisters of Charity, passed away. She would later be canonized as a Catholic saint. On January 4, 1896, Utah became the 45th state to be admitted to the Union. On January 5, 1929, happy birthday to Martin Luther King Jr. He was born in Atlanta, Georgia. He was the most visible spokesperson and leader of the American Civil Rights Movement, and we were lucky to have him in this country. January 5, 1948, George Washington Carver, an American agricultural scientist and inventor who promoted alternative crops to cotton and methods to prevent soil depletion, died at the age of 79. On January 6, 1912, New Mexico became the 47th state to be admitted to the Union. On January 19, 1883, the first electric lighting system employing overhead wires built by Thomas Edison began service in Roselle, New Jersey. On January 23, 1964, the 24th Amendment of the United States Constitution, which prohibits both Congress and the states from conditioning the right to vote in federal elections on payments of a poll tax, or other types of tax was ratified by the states. That was in 1964. Thank you to www.poplad.com for the January historical events for this episode. All right, here's a bio of our guests. The first is Anne-Marie Amstead. In 2004, Anne-Marie joined the board of directors and assumed the role of secretary shortly thereafter. A retired kindergarten teacher, she has played a vital role in various aspects of the Sandy Historical Society. Anne-Marie has meticulously organized the Society's historical records, provided valuable input during the museum's construction, facilitated the transfer of stored artifacts to the museum basement, and played a pivotal role in initiating the computerized past perfect museum archival program. Her commitment extends beyond these initial contributions. Anne Marie currently serves as the archivist, volunteer coordinator, overseer of the gift shop, and assistant bookkeeper. A lifelong resident of the area, she remains dedicated to preserving the history of the Sandy area. Inspired by her parents, she actively contributes to the ongoing effort to document the community's history, firmly believing in the adage, today is tomorrow's history. And next, our guest, Ken Funk, who is the office supervisor of the Sandy Historical Society. Ken became a volunteer with the Sandy Historical Society in 2010, dedicating his time to the organization. Approximately a year later, he earned a position on the board of directors. Ken held this directorial role until 2020, at which point he transitioned to a paid position as the office supervisor, necessitating his departure from the board. 
Presently, Ken continues to contribute to the society as a tour guide and a docent. His enthusiasm lies in historical and genealogical research, reflecting his deep passion for preserving and sharing the rich history within the community. Okay. Welcome to the program, Anne-Marie and Ken. Thank you. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. How are both of you today? We're fine. Doing good. Fantastic. How's the weather been so far this season in Sandy, Oregon? Up and down. Right now it's beautiful, sunny, and a little cool. Chilly and breezy. Uh, that's I what just it's went been to the here. post office and you know, just, just about froze my thumb off. Yes. <laughs> Your tupus. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that way here, too, in Salt Lake. We've had mm-hmm. maybe, well, we've had some snow up in the mountains and people are skiing up there. Mm-hmm. But down in the valley, we've had very little snow this year. It's just been like 30, in the 30s and very little snow. Well, they had one day of skiing in Mount Hood, and then it all melted. Oh, really? And they're not going to have any more for at least a week. Wow. But the mountain is covered because it's higher than right here. We're about 1,000. So what are some of the things that are a must-see for tourists, visitors to Sandy, Oregon? Our museum. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. We have a lovely park within the town called Mining Park. Yes, and the city has been good about putting parks in different locations where there's a lot of housing. It's a requirement Mm -hmm. to put in a park with a new development. And we have the beautiful Sandy River Valley with the beautiful view of Mount Hood on John's Road Viewpoint. Yep. That's a must-see. Yeah. And today was just Especially beautiful. on a clear day. Mm-hmm. I went beautiful. up there on my map app and went up to that scenic view area. Yep. And that was gorgeous. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> today, it was gorgeous. Just It's clear and there was just a little bank of clouds at the base of Mount Hood, and it's completely white, and it always looks larger when it's white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so your skiing industry in the area is going to take a hit this year because of the lack of snow? Early on it might, but if we get more snow you know, later, you know, end of December, January, that's usually when it picks up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't we know if they were... We have an El Nino year, so they say that it... They will have more rain than snow. But our skiing is up in, what, 4,000, 3,000, 4,000 feet. That's where it starts. Where it yeah. starts. And that some of the places make their own snow, too. So, But they were open one day, and then they had to close. Wow. So they're looking for the best snowstorm to keep. Mm-hmm. That's what ours does, too, is make snow out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how are your holiday celebrations going this year? I read y'all call it the hometown holiday celebration. It's sort of an annual event. Oh, uh, this is the second year. They're they're just starting to get their feelings going here. They've changed within the past couple of years with the lighting of the park, Meineg Park. And we've had Christmas trees here, uh, Christmas tree lighting for several years. Mm-hmm. But they, they seem to get better and better every year. COVID slowed it down there for a while, and then it's, it's just getting back into the swing of things. And we are right next to the plaza where they had the Christmas tree. So we, have, we had music by the Dulcimer Group 
and we had children's crafts upstairs. And then people could just come in and wander through. And it's amazing how many people who live in Sandy have never been in the museum. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. And it, so this does bring in some new people and they can see that we have a wonderful gift shop with local artisans and that we have a lot of the history that they probably didn't even know. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the special things. And now this year, they're having a contest for the businesses to decorate. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's very cool. And so that's a new one. And then they're going to have a stocking walk on Friday where people bring their stockings in and businesses can put things in their stockings. And we have some leftover candy for Halloween that we're going to put in their stockings. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, my grandkids uh, eat all that before I get to Christmas. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll replenish. I know on the map app, when I looked at your building and everything, the first thing I saw was a sign, a lit up sign in the in the front window saying visitor mm -hmm. center. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that drew me and I was like, oh, they have a visitor center. That's pretty cool. So we we have a threefold business here with the museum, the gift shop and the visitor center. There for a while we were doing an unofficial visitor center. The official one was run by the Chamber of Commerce, yeah. and they they changed a little bit over the last few years, and then we we got the official visitor center with a with a grant from the city of Sandy. Mm -hmm. uh, we used they used to get money from Clackamas County mm -hmm. for visitor centers, and then Clackamas County decided to put in these lovely the kiosks. internet yeah yeah kiosks, and we had one in our building actually but then that during COVID died and so we we were given a grant from the city of Sandy to make a visitor center and the chamber gave us some of their beautiful racks and we have a very nice visitor center that brings in people from all over the world oh that's great you get to meet all those great people oh, oh yeah. right fantastic a young man in here from Australia yesterday talking to him for a while Although we're not open on, on Mondays, but he came to the door and he was looking for information. So And Ken was here. And I was here. <laughs> Way to go, not Ken. Turn people away. Way to go. So what's the history of Sandy, Oregon anyway? <laughs> not like Sandy, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first people who came to this area were Francis and Lydia Revenue in 1853. That stayed. They stayed and had a farm and a little store. Then Gerties, Mr. Gerties came up where we are on the flat, we call it, above the Sandy River Valley and put in a general store, which became the post office. Mm -hmm. That was 1870. 1870. Then, so the revenue. 1873, excuse yeah, right. me, 1873. Then the revenues came up and built the first Sandy Hotel by the Gerties store. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of Sandy and it was along the Barlow Road. So people came through and we started to grow. Yep. They could come and get free land, you know, and it, it just grew and became a first forestry and then agricultural center. Imagine if we did that today where people could go somewhere, you know, travel to somewhere and, and get a stake of some free land if they if Maybe they the moon it. or Mars. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good idea. 
oh yeah, that's the next frontier, huh? Get, getting there's the, the yeah, big that, step, it's a big though. thing, yeah, yeah, a little bit different than the the uh, wagons. Oh yeah, <laughs> a little difficulty breathing sometimes. Yes. Yeah. The Barlow Road actually started Barlow, Sam Barlow, Joel Palmer, William Rector, and all of their groups. They came through in 1845 okay. on their way to Oregon City in the Willamette Valley. Wow. Found this route. Yeah. And then went to the territorial government and asked for permission to have a toll road built. built. And that's what they built and maintained until about... 1916, 17? 16, 17, yeah. It was a toll road until then. $5 a wagon, $0.10 per head of livestock. In the beginning. In the beginning. As the loans were paid off and the road didn't need as much care, then they cut the the toll in half. Wow. And so what was the primary industry in Sandy? Was Was it the trees? Forestry was first, I would say. And then it developed, as the forest was taken down, it developed into more agricultural right. berries. Uh, we, were, we had strawberry festivals in the 50s. Mm. And now it has, uh, there were raspberries, all kinds of berries. Mm. Now it has evolved more into nursery stock. Mm-hmm. And that is what our main industry around here is. Oh, okay. Along with uh, logging has sort of stopped because it was on private land. Only on private land is it done now, not that much. And there's a lot of, of course, national forests Mm -hmm. and BLM land, and they only log intermittently. Yeah, there's a huge amount of national forest in your area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. But yeah, they they cut down a lot of the old growth, the the original, well, I shouldn't say original, but the, the big trees. You know, you see these guys cutting notches in trees and then laying in them in the, in the notches in the trees. Yeah. Trees that big nowadays are fairly rare. Mm-hmm. Right. But if they leave them alone, will they get that big again? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In a few hundred years. <laughs> yeah. It'll take a while. Yes. Now with regard to history and preserving history in the Sandy area, are there any specific challenges or opportunities unique to your area? Making sure people do not throw away their history, but bring it to us. We really are trying to be a, a collector of family histories of any family that's ever lived in Sandy, because everybody is important in the history of Sandy. And a lot of families, they just, when the older people die, they throw away some of this good photographs and, and good historical stories and those kinds of artifacts that, that tell the story of the people who lived in Sandy. So we're just trying to be a place where they feel comfortable to do that. Yes. Yep. That's a big deal. Believe me. It is. I had an ancestor who my mother told me wrote a book about the family history Mm -hmm. and my grandmother on one of the moves of the family, threw it out. I know. Thinking uh-huh. that it wasn't worth anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, oh, I wish I could get my hands on that. That's heartbreaking <laughs> when you hear about stuff like that. That's yep. right. That would have solved so many, so many issues. Oh, yes. Right. So what are some lesser known facts or stories about Sandy's history that the society has helped to uncover? 
it's difficult to find out anything about the native peoples that were in this area before the Barlow Road. That is very difficult and very little information. It's just, it's not shared with us. And also, we have a a mystery artifact that we haven't found who it is about that um, was found in our area, and it's a oh. carving in in a piece of tree. A piece of tree that's called Crawford Camp, and it was eighteen oh eight. 1808, oh. September 25th, 1808. And it's the way that people who were fur trapping would mark their territory. And we do not know who Crawford was. And we would really like to know where did he come from? Was he French from Canada? Did he come from the Pacific side? Did he come over the Rockies? Was you know, he with this, the Spaniards? Was he with the Spaniards? This is even before... Um, it's two years after Lewis and Clark, and two about two years before the Astorians. Right. And um, Fort Vancouver. And, oh, long before Fort long Vancouver. Long before Fort Vancouver that became... 1825. Right, which became a, a repository for all those fur that trappers. That was Hudson's Bay Company. Exactly. So even so before have, men like Grizzly Adams. Yeah, oh, yeah. like Grizzly Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we have some mysteries to solve and i don't know how we're going to find it out but those are lesser known facts i think yeah now you have this tree yes yes oh my goodness it's our oldest artifact the inscription it, is over 215 years old it was found by a logging company that was mm. making a road in to make a a man-made lake for pete for portland general electric and it was found right in the <laughs> In where they were taking the road. So they cut it and they, and it's probably what three oh, feet the, high? The piece that we the have. The piece that we is... have is about three feet high. And they took it back to the owner of the logging company and he gave it to the historical society way back in the 70s. And it was preserved by a professor at Oregon State University who said it was the oldest one found in Oregon. There are only two others, yep. and ours is the oldest. And the others, they don't have the name Crawford on them. This is mm -hmm. unique. Nope. nope. No, they were found in different areas in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, this was really weird about this artifact. It didn't get found until 1959. Mm -hmm. And there was a ranger station and some other buildings built nearby in 1935. But they never saw that. But this, this mm -hmm. dead tree had no interest for them. It wasn't until... Mr. Denbo yeah. uh, flipped it over with the bulldozer that they actually found it. And so we have the story of how it was found. When, where, by whom, all of that information. But we have no idea who Crawford was. I'm so glad you have that. That's amazing. It is amazing. Wow. That is history. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'd like to mention, and, I, and I've said this before, that the, the Sandy Area Historical Museum is really a beautiful facility. It's gorgeous. You should Thank be really you. proud appreciate of that. it. If I were living there in Sandy, I'd want to sit outside that building on a bench every nice day. Mm. Well, you could. 
and watch the people rip through our parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) Which some people do. Oh, really? We do have a nice plaza where you could sit and do that. (laughs) Is there coffee nearby or tea or something? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's fantastic. We have it in here, but we also have a little coffee shop right down the path. Mountain Mocha. And you also have um, Dutch Brothers just up the road. There you go. And more than one Starbucks. Fantastic. Is there more one? Oh, yes. There's one in... in oh, that's right. In Safeway. In Safeway. I forgot about that one. And, and the one in Fred Meyer. And Fred Meyer. And then its own. What's the history of the society and the museum? The society actually dates back to 1926. Yeah. It was founded by the city. They were celebrating the first white child born in the area. On his 70th birthday, 72nd. John 72nd, 72nd birthday. Uh, John Revenue, and they announced the formation of this society under a different name, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then John became the first president of this new society. It was called the Sandy Pioneer Association when it got its actual paperwork. And, and then in the 90s, the the board of directors decided they needed to change it because people thought they had to be pioneers to join the society. And, and they wanted to make sure that anybody in Sandy or has lived in Sandy or is living in Sandy could join. So they changed it to the Sandy Historical Society Incorporated in the 90s. Fantastic. So one of the original family, the revenues, mm-hmm. was the first president. Yep. Wow, mm-hmm. that's cool. And the great-granddaughter is a very active member of our society at the age of 80, Mm -hmm. who lives here in town. How'd the museum get going? Okay, the museum started, we we started wanting to have a museum for a long time. But in 2004, we got this land swap to have this land right in the middle of Sandy, between the west and eastbound lanes of 26. And we dug the basement. And we had enough money to actually build the outside and preserve it for the weather. And that's all the money we had. So it was a basement and two stories. And it was designed by Mark Fritchie from Portland. We had visited 11 other museums looking for ideas, lighting, coloring, you know, what kind what kind of paint, what kind of things, what we want. But he made a wonderful design that was, we call it the Cascadia design, Mm. uh, which is after sort of a mountain cabin kind of thing. And that was, that was established and, and put into place. And so once we got all the walls up and we actually wrote on the inside of the walls, we had a wall signing for all the people. When we got it built, we did not have enough money to finish the insides. And so the people of Sandy didn't think that the Historical Society could do this. In the 50s, there was going to be a hospital in Sandy. And it actually started to be built Mm. and got the outsides built like that. And then, the I don't know, something happened, the money ran out, and... There's different stories as to whether someone took some of the money or mm-hmm. whatever, but it never got been finished. finished. And so 
The people of Sandy didn't think that the Little Historical Society could do this. Well, we finally, we had donations of labor, materials, the outside of the building. You want to tell them about that? The outside of the building is clad in cedar, and it's all donated. And that's what you see in the picture, and it's stained to resist the weather. All these people stepped up. Our general contractor is Carl McDermott, who is right now the vice president of our board of directors. And he got subcontractors and everything. We had donated labor, donated supplies. It was amazing. Now, it did take three years Mm -hmm. to do this. But we had this huge sign out there. And people said, oh, my gosh, they're doing it. I could I could give a little. I could yeah. give a little. And we never had any federal or state money Mm-mm. at all. And it got finished in 2007. And we opened in late June of 2007. Wow, that's cool. So it and, was three years before 2007 that you dug the basement? And it was completely paid for. 100% paid for with wow. no loans. Or mortgages. Wow, that is cool. Wow. See, the community should be very proud. No kidding. Of how they stepped up mm-hmm. and did these things. It, it was unbelievable. That is a very, very cool story. Wow. And with our building, the, the design and the, you know, what it looks like, it laid the groundwork for when Sandy was revitalizing the style of the buildings, the facades took on kind of a log cabin-ish type of theme. So a lot of the buildings here in town. The city of Sandy actually used some of its economic funds to have the the businesses made their facade in that design. So it sort of made, you know, they talked about being a Western town and <laughs> all this other stuff. And, and it made more sense to be a mountain type of Cascadia design. Yeah, right. you're, you're Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Yep. No doubt exactly. about it. Yeah. There for a while, Sandy was known as the gateway to Mount Hood. Which I always um, thought was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. It's it's been changed since then. But yes, uh, but but it is the gateway to Mount Hood. You can see Mount oh, yeah. Hood as you drive through Sandy. Yeah. The city streets. Mm-hmm. Now I'd like to provide listeners with the contact information for the society. Sure. Uh yeah. we can be reached. Uh, by email, which is sandyhistorical at sandyhistory.com. We have a phone number here, 503-668-3378. We have the website, which is www.sandyhistory.com, and you can leave us messages. And by snail mail, PO Box 652, Sandy, Oregon, 97055. And what's the address of the museum? Three. 9345 Pioneer Boulevard, Sandy, Oregon, 97055. Fantastic. And you're also on Facebook. Yes, we have a young lady that does our Facebook page. So it's facebook.com slash Sandy Historical Society. Fantastic. We try to update that about every two weeks. Thank you. And it is updated and it it looks really good. Mm -hmm. Can you and Ken kindly share with the audience an overview of the communities you serve, the demographic makeup of your membership, and the mission and objectives of your society? We represent from government camp mm-hmm. to the east, all the way to the west, down towards Gresham and 
Boring. Boring. Yeah, sort of Eagle Creek area. And, and we call it the Sandy High School area. All the kids that go to Sandy High School are in that area. So we just sort of took that because we do have a historical society in Eagle Creek, Eagle Creek Estacada area, that's Philip Foster Farms. And then there's one in Oregon City. Mm-hmm. And since we're Clackamas County, we we stay in Clackamas County, but we border Gresham and Multnomah County. Right. Our membership is diversified. Mm-hmm. We have families, we have elderly, we have young ones, we have students, we have all sorts. Are most of your members in Oregon or are they out of state? Some are out of state. Mm -hmm. Some have lived in Sandy. Some have family in Sandy. But uh, most of them are in Oregon, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we do have outlying, especially we have a wonderful group of alumni from the high school that really keep in touch with us. And they give us great things, but they also want to know what's going on here. And so we do that through our quarterly newsletters. And that really helps keep in touch with our membership. So our mission, we have a short one that says, Sandy Historical Society Incorporated collects, preserves, and interprets history in the surrounding community to strengthen and enhance understanding of the past present, and future. That's our general mission. Yeah, it's a great mission. Great mission. And I'm sure you're doing very well at it from what I've seen we on, try. The, on the we web. We try. <laughs> so what's coming up on the horizon for the society and the museum? Well, we are, we are right now looking into getting some grants to help us um, establish a, an executive director and also maintain the building, which are big things. In a, and right now, it's all volunteers that are on the board of directors and myself and some other volunteers that come in weekly. But we need an executive director to oversee everything. And so we are looking for grants for that. That's a big one right now that we are looking for. Yeah, uh, good also, luck with that. exhibits. Right, mm-hmm. the Native the, American, the Native American scanning, preserving the information side of it, the newspaper articles, and the all the histories of the organizations and the churches and the and the schools and yeah. all the we are going to try and scan everything because right now a lot of it is in three ring notebooks in, it's all in protective. It's all paper, and we need ah, yes. to uh, to scan it and and uh, it's already organized it just needs to be scanned and and put into the cloud i guess or wherever you want to call it and and be there available for people to get whatever information they're looking for we're working with the grand run native mm-hmm. american nation and they're trying to help us to make a display exhibit on the Native Americans that could have lived here and and their influence and and that we we don't have a lot of that history. I mean, just from our older members, we've learned that they would come and fish for salmon in the Sandy River. They'd come during huckleberry season up the mountain. They'd come during blackberry season down here. But they came in their little teepees and then they went. Mm-hmm. There weren't that many that really lived here during 
this last hundred years, I'd say, right. or so. But before that, we don't know. So we would like to have some sort of representation in an exhibit that would show that. I'm so glad you're doing that. Before 1792, we have hardly anything about the Native peoples that were in this area. Just basically, it's information that was given to us through Lewis and Clark. Mm -hmm. But they, they did come later, and by the time Lewis and Clark got here, the Native population had been decimated by 50% due to diseases that were brought in by peoples that we don't know anything about, right. <laughs> fur trappers or other people that came from back east or Pioneers. came across the ocean. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to them, they were bringing these diseases. Yes. 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 And the Native peoples, they had no defense. Yep. Oh, uh, very unfortunate. Has there been any archaeology in the area? Just a little bit. Artifacts have been found, mostly what the Native peoples used to prepare their foods, some hunting implements, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's about all that we have, mm -hmm. really. Okay, fantastic. Anne-Marie, did I cut you off? No. Okay. No, I am fine, thank you. Are there any upcoming exhibitions or events that the community should look forward to? What we try to do is have quarterly events, one in the end of January, which is more of our business meeting. We elect our board of officers, but we are we're trying to honor some of the people and the, the businesses and the families that have lived in Sandy for 50 years or more. So we just had a change in Sandy's history where the Sandy Fire Department has been dissolved and it's now called Clackamas Fire Department. Oh. And the, the uh, current chief is retiring mm -hmm. and he is from a family that has been here for a long over a hundred years. So we will be honoring Phil Schneider, our, our retiring chief. Although chief. I heard yesterday he... He's been rehired, but that's okay. He's young enough to be rehired. Then in another of our quarterly events is in April, and we would like to honor the Sandy Volunteer Fire Department. Now, I know a lot of these volunteers that are young will stay with the Clackamas Fire Department, but there is a history of the fire department in Sandy that needs to be preserved, and they gave us a lot of their information. And so we will be putting up an exhibit and honoring them in April. Then in July, we sell corn on the cob <laughs> at the Sandy Mountain Festival. But that money goes back to the community mm -hmm. as scholarships for seniors students. that, re yeah, high school seniors, vocational and academic scholarships. Wow. And we sell corn on the cob for that. And then usually in October, we honor some other family or business or organization. Fantastic. Keeps us busy. No kidding. You guys are always going. We are. <laughs> Ann and Ken, it's time for a break for a few minutes. Cool. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important messages.
Immerse yourself in the rich tapestry of history. Become a vital part of the Sandy Historical Society's journey as a dedicated volunteer. Bring your passion for the past to life by contributing to restoration projects, engaging in impactful research initiatives, and participating in community outreach programs. Join a team of committed individuals working together to preserve the unique stories that define the community's identity. Make a lasting impact. Volunteer with the Sandy Oregon Historical Society. Visit the website at www.sandyhistory.com, email them at sandyhistorical at sandyhistory.com, or call at 503-668-3378. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to MicroStream Radio and Preservation Oaks. The world's only program communicating the value of museums, historical and genealogical societies across the USA. The most interesting show on the planet. Just a reminder about the military holidays we observe annually in these United States. Armed Forces Day is to acknowledge those still in uniform serving our nation. Veterans Day is for those who served and have hung up the uniform. We honor those who served. Memorial Day is for those who never made it out of their uniform. We reflect on those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Please teach your children to observe these days each year. Now, listen carefully to what I'm telling you. I want you to get up off of your overworked bottom and immediately connect with your local historical or genealogical society and volunteer to make a difference in your community and the people all around you. Before you even think about saying no, remember that little weekend you had last summer at the lake? Well, I've got the pictures to make your life utterly miserable, you little twat. Now get up and get going. You hear me? I said do it now. Back in time, when people got sick, they got well again due to the knowledge their mom had from her mom, and she in turn from her mom, and, well, you get the idea. A good knowledge of history is a good thing for all kinds of reasons when making decisions about the future. Learn the history of your ancestors and your community at your local historical or genealogical society. Historical traditions are there for a reason. Support your local society today and like a good mom, pass the knowledge on to your kids. History. Community service. And it's right here. Preservation Oaks. The podcast that always has something new. All day, every day, all night, every night. It's accessible, reliable, immediate and up to the minute. The minute you want it. Preservation Oaks on preservationoaks.podbean.com. Turn to us for your daily taste of history and community service. Keep on giving and keep on living the good life. Sometimes the most commonplace artifact triggers the most heartfelt memories. The museums, cultural and heritage institutions. Historical and genealogical societies within our communities have responsibility for preserving these artifacts so they can be used to educate each new generation about their own past. They are the gatherers and caretakers of the stories of our history, culture, and heritage. 
sharing the lessons of history fosters an understanding of the fundamental knowledge of why things work the way they do. Once armed with a knowledge of their place in history, people have a much higher success rate as they build the future. Our values and ideals are rightly influenced by those who came before us. On each episode of Preservation Oaks, our guests share key information about these core organizations and history. You'll learn about the great work they do, what their needs are, their goals, and why you can feel really confident about the future by volunteering and supporting them. Join us wherever you get your podcasts, and then follow, comment, like, and listen. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Anne-Marie Amstad <laughs> and Ken Funk from the Sandy Historical Society located in Sandy, Oregon. Let's pick up where we left off. Welcome back, folks. Thank you. Can you tell us a couple of funny or interesting stories from your museum's history? You you want something funny? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was would completely be considered funny. One of the local peoples that was, was here a long time ago, it turns out that she was the first woman in Oregon <laughs> to be arrested and jailed for moonshining. <laughs> so she, she's a really interesting local character. Her name was Nettie Kinnett. People knew her, remember her. I knew her personally. She lived north of Sandy in what was called Ames. She had a son. I don't know what happened to her husband. And she would go out and shoot animals and bring them to the grade school that I went to. And she would, uh, we have a picture of her, right? With, the bobcat. with a bobcat with her finger in the bobcat's mouth. And, and it was a carrot, you know, but but it looked like a finger. And that was in the local newspaper. Now she was known as a real character who would stand on her head at the, at the uh, tavern and do all sorts of crazy things. She drove a old green Studebaker pickup that was very noisy. And I would ride my bicycles in the area that she would come from Ames to Sandy. And if we heard that coming, we got off the road clear in the ditches because she was known to take over the entire road and weave a little bit. So she was known as a character, but she was very, very giving. She would anonymously leave food at people's doorstep when she knew they were in need of food, even an animal, a dead deer or whatever, in or out of season. <laughs> Bears, coyotes, cougars. I saw a lot of them when she would bring them to show the students or to show my father who worked for the Portland Waterworks, which was on the border of where she lived. And so we have many interesting stories about Nettie Kinnett, our local character. Oh, very cool. We and, mentioned the hospital earlier, the yes. one that was supposed to be have been built in Sandy. Yeah. She was one of the driving forces behind yes, she that. Was. 
And people were really disappointed when that fell through. Uh, did it ever go? Nope. Oh, my goodness. Closest hospital is Gresham. Oh, that's a shame. I know. Now, what are some of the most memorable moments or experiences that visitors have shared after visiting the museum? We've had some emails. Yes. And we've had a few notes thanking the staff for their friendliness and for the knowledge that was shared. I always thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of repeat people come back and they bring their stories and their, their friends and their memories. And I think that's the most wonderful moments for us to experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, getting feedback like that is great. Oh, yeah. It is. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff we, we get in. And one of the things I help out with, if people are wondering about their property, I can I can find out. We have some pictures and we have some uh, Metzger maps. And I can also go into the BLM records and find out who owned the land, the original donation land claim and land patent uh, records. We can find that out. It's, you have designated heritage homes in the area? We have a few. No. A few, but not, we have a, the oldest church that's remaining has been preserved and, and is being used, uh, well, sort of, she's going to use it again. And we, we have a couple of them that are businesses. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. But, uh, but not too many that, that have Some of the old buildings have been deteriorated so badly, they were condemned and yeah. they had to be yeah. torn down. We do have a historical walk through Sandy mm -hmm. that was done by the city of Sandy quite a few years ago that shows what is still here. And we did have a program called Then and Now where we took pictures of, we had old pictures of that plot or whatever that area the land and the land business. and then what's there now. Mm -hmm. But that is sort of, we haven't found a person to take over that and bring it up to date. Mm -hmm. But we do have some of that information also. Fantastic. So that that was started way back in probably 2009, yeah. 10. What kinds of exhibits are on display in the museum? We have in our gallery, we focus on over 100 years of our local logging history, some of the businesses that were here in Sandy, including one that's been here for quite some time, starting in 1911, and that is Oregon's oldest continuous running community bank, which is called Clackamas County Bank. We also have a mock-up of a blacksmith shop, the local schoolhouse histories. We've had at least 18 different schoolhouses in the area, and we have pictures and class information on all of them. Mm -hmm. That's on our main level. Mm -hmm. Then upstairs is more family life. We have a library resource center that has a lot of old books and those three ring notebooks that have collections about every organization I think that's possibly been here and schools and businesses and areas, uh, churches, all sorts of things like that. Plus wow. the family history, which we have four, four different filing, filing cabinets. cabinets full of family histories. That includes some pictures that have been given by the family, any anything they give us, but also articles out of newspapers and things like that of their activities. 
We have more family life in, in a parlor, dining room, kitchen area. We have a surrey with the fringe on the top that is in front of our barn facade, which some of the exhibits Seasonal. change seasonally. And then we have more of a, I'd say a fabric sewing area and a an area with clothing and mm -hmm. things that change periodically because the upstairs is more rotating exhibits. Okay. The biggest thing downstairs in the corner is a general store. And Mining General Store started in the early 1900s mm -hmm. through two brothers. And so that general store is really interesting. You could stand there and look for, you know, a half an hour and see mm -hmm. something different on all the shelves and all of that. And so we have history of like that and the Clackamas County Bank that's still run by the same family for over 100 years. Five and generations. Five generations. So we do add to that, take away from that, but not to the extent as we do upstairs because we do have some glass cases that that do change upstairs more routinely. Fantastic. Someday I hope to visit. I hope you do. You're welcome. Now, do you have any collections exhibited anywhere else, like the local airport or post office or places like that? Not since the museum was built and opened, and that also was before my time. But there were small displays that were in several of the buildings in, mm -hmm. in town. There is an exhibit in the Oregon State Capitol oh, building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was loaned from our historical society. It is the original copy of the Oregon State song that was found in Sandy High School's, one of its desks, because the Edward Buchanan, who helped write the music or the words, I'm not sure which, left it there. Oh. And so it is now on permanent display in the state capitol building. Very cool. Well, I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah that's we had to cool. have an escort bring it out for the 100th anniversary of the first graduation class of Sandy High School in, what was that, 2017. We had to have a state policeman and a archivist come with the actual document and sit with it during our celebration at the high school and then was taken back to the state capitol. Wow. <laughs> so... I guess they are taking good care of it. I hope so. <laughs> now, can you discuss any recent conservation efforts or restoration projects related to the museum's exhibits? Well, we're really planning this scanning project, mm -hmm. digitization of, of a lot of that. We just bought a new scanner. Oh, cool. And, of course, we mentioned the uh, Native American exhibit. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it just sort of flows with what we have downstairs. We have a wonderful exhibit volunteer, mm -hmm. Lori DeFazio, who comes up with, because she knows what we have mm -hmm. in our collections, she and our volunteer curator and myself and Ken and all of us that work here a we lot, put our heads we together. put our heads together and come up with new exhibits that we, would, we really would like to see. And then, like we said, things come in like the fire department closing as a Sandy Fire, which will, will give us a new exhibit. So yes, fantastic. We, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. No kidding. 
Are there any plans to expand the museum's facilities or collections in the future? Wow. <laughs> There's no room to expand on this lot. Okay. But we're always reevaluating our collections. Mm -hmm. As new things come in, maybe a better representation of it or an older representation of it. We have collections come in all the time. Mm. And we have we have the ability to temporarily accept them and then let them know if we would like to keep them or for our collections. And then we give them the option, our donors, the option of do you want it back if we do not need it for our collections? Or would you allow us to sell it for with the proceeds going to the museum? Right. And that's what usually happens. Mm -hmm. But not always, but usually it does happen. We only have so much space. Yeah. Yeah. The basement is only so big. And the shelves can only go to the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Something else to add to that. If there's an item that doesn't really fit in with our area, mm -hmm. we try and find somebody in the area that it needs to go to. We try and find it a new home, somebody that will take care of it another historical society, another museum that's more appropriate to its origins. Yes. Partners. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's excellent. Thank you. Now, I ask this of every guest that comes on the program. <laughs> if your building were to catch fire, what things would you grab on your way out? That's, that's a tough one <laughs> because some of these items aren't readily... And for that purpose, you know, they're they're secured, you know, because we don't want people just to come in, pick up something and carry it out. But uh, one of the things I, I think that I would grab if if absolutely possible would be that aforementioned Crawford. piece of tree, the Crawford's camp inscription. I might take the, uh, the hard drive as I went out. Because we have a one that has all the financials and all the artifacts and all of that. But we do back them up onto flash drives and DVDs and keep them about yearly in a safety deposit box at the bank. Fantastic. Okay. Very practical. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> the Clackamas County Bank, of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Now, what kind of funding model supports the society, and what are your funding goals for this next year? We are looking into, I think I mentioned it before, getting some, some grants to help sustain the building and, and, and get an executive director and do the digitization and all of that. We have a committee forming that has already started the work. And then, of course, we are always looking for donations from the public, the gift shop helps, Facilities rental, which is $150, mm -hmm. by the way. And that always helps too. Mm -hmm. Charitable trusts, when we first opened, we had two $40,000 trusts, one from Meyer and one from Collins Foundation, that helped us get some beautiful displays. Mm -hmm. But we have not pursued any charitable trusts here lately. But that is our goal. New memberships are, are always welcome and yeah. helpful as well. We have gotten grants from the state and the county also in the past, and we'll be looking into those to sustain our funding. Plus, we have uh, in September, we usually have a antiques, collectibles, 
and fabric sale that helps and that is come comes from donations from people and uh and also our friends of the museum sewing group i you can't believe how much material we get donated here oh really people do not know where to give it they don't want to give it to goodwill so they give it here and so we have a friends of the museum group that meets on three mondays a month Mm -hmm. and they sew things for us to sell in our gift shop. Oh, cool. And so we we do really try to use the that a lot. It's a local resource. Something else that we try and do, our gift shop downstairs. We try and keep that filled with items local what if we can made. possibly get them. We have a few food items, the aforementioned quilting sewn and crafted items. Right now we have an a Christmas tree set up downstairs with all sorts of ornaments, most of which are handmade, local. It keeps us, it keeps us going. We have a room here that we're actually sitting in right now. It's our meeting room, and it could hold probably about sixty to seventy-five people comfortably for like celebrations of life. We've had baby showers, birthday parties. Birthday parties. We've even had a wedding here a long time ago. (laughs) That was interesting. And it is $150. And we have all these things that we can give them. We have the tables, the chairs, the coffee pot, the microwave, the sink, and the refrigerator. But we do not have anything more than that. A lot of people bring in catered things or bring in their own food preparation and all that. And Ken and, and the staff are very, very good about setting it up the way they want we even have tablecloths and all of that to um, spruce up to the place. Spruce up the place. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's right. wonderful. There are a few local companies around the area that do catering, and uh, they've been fantastic in a lot of these events. Right. We work with them very easily. Yes. Yes. Nice. Very nice. Thank you, guys. Now, what type of fundraising activities or opportunities does your society offer? I know you did mention a few events, annual events uh, Mm -hmm. that go on. You have your membership. What are the membership levels and benefits? There's basically it's four, four levels. We have an individual, which is younger than senior for $25 a year. We have a senior, which is 60 plus, which is $20 a year. We also have a family rate, and then we also have a, a student rate. $40 for family and 20 for students. Right. Fantastic. We I... get a lot of memorials mm. also. That has been a good source. People will renew their, their membership and then give a memorial on top of it or give a general donation mm-hmm. on top of it. And so we have a, a great membership source right now. Fantastic. When I join, do I get the lapel pin? Yep. You you also get the uh, quarterly newsletter, our Buckboard Tales. You also get a 20% gift shop discount, which does not include our consignment items. Consignment items are things that are made by people that we do a 60-40 rate on. So we can't uh, take discounts on, on those items. Free John Through Viewpoint poster. And then the annual meeting is usually in January. And then you can have an ad in our buckboard. And 
we actually let a member have a free rental during the year of the space so they can come up and, and have a group. We've had reunions here mm-hmm. and birthdays. And so that includes that. And really, it's not a $75 value, but it's a $150 value now because of we raised it. That is a great value to the membership. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It is. Absolutely. Wow. We have a group of uh, quilters that come and have a retreat for a couple days. And they can leave their things in here. Mm -hmm. And they sew from 10 to 4, which is our open hours. Then they come back the next day and sew from 10 to 4. Mm-hmm. And and they use their membership, free room rental, some of them as part of their benefits. Wow, that's nice. I also was reading that with your membership, you receive some free or discounted admission to partner museums. Mm-hmm. That is through Clackamas the Clackamas County, County Heritage Society. Yeah. And uh, we have, as a group, tried to, to do this so that we can help each other. Because unfortunately, Clackamas County has not given us any money to sustain our historical sites or museums. We are trying to get them to do that because Maloma County does that for that. (laughs) And so we are are, uh, working with this group. And so as our partnership, we give a free or discount discounted uh, admission. There's a lot of museums on the list. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oregon City has what, one, two, three, four? Yeah. Four. And then Mount Hood up here, Lake Oswego, Philip Foster Farms. Yep. Uh, I mean, really. Nice. Baker Cabin. Yeah. That's really nice. And these are all historic sites. Yep. Uh, or museums. Or yeah. museums, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of outreach and education does the society undertake within the community? We offer tours to any groups from the schools. Mm -hmm. We have Sandy High School's interns that work on Saturdays through a grant from the city of Sandy or from some of our other grant opportunities. Ken and I have personally gone out to the schools when Mm -hmm. asked to do historic programs or whatever. And right now we have reached out to the homeschool groups Mm -hmm. uh, and they have been coming in we decided that through Facebook, we could probably get in touch with them, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and we've already had one or two yep. come in since then. So we have opportunities. They can come and research in our library. Mm-hmm. They can tour. They can write reports. We have a lot of historic books if they need to do any kinds of reports. And we've had some job shadowing in the past mm-hmm. also that have been involved, some of the high school students. So we are here. We try to reach out and we get a lot of people in. We get Cub Scout groups. Yes. Girl Scout groups. We've had groups that come in and take tours of the museum. Retirement homes have come in. We get the the special needs folks. We have a daycare with special needs that comes in in at least once a month. And, and they, they really enjoy coming and some of them are able to interact with us and some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. And we just go with the flow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, yeah, but we do have many tours and usually people call or email 
and make reservations, but sometimes they just come in Mm -hmm. and we are prepared for that because we always have two people on the front desk. We try not to turn anybody away. No. I I don't think we ever have. I don't think we ever have either. That's Mm -hmm. fantastic work. You were talking earlier about scholarships. What kind of scholarships does the society sponsor? We sort of started with the Sandy Alumni Association, working together with them for this corn booth where we we sell corn on the cob dipped in butter (laughs) at the Mountain (laughs) Festival. And they, for many years, the Alumni Association gave two, three scholarships, up to four or five. And the Alumni Association didn't get enough membership to do it on their own. So they gave it to us. Two years ago, three years ago now, I guess. Uh, it, was a, it was more of a partnership, and then they eventually it, they turned it over to us completely. So we have given consistently at least three scholarships, $1,000 or $1,500 scholarships, depending on the amount of money that we made at the corn booth, plus some other people who give donations. Alumni is really what it is, alumni that give donations. And that's what our program has been. That's mainly our scholarship program that we have sponsored. That's very cool. It is. And there's other groups in the area that do pretty much the same thing. But we're pretty much the only historical group that does that. And we give vocational scholarships where most of them give academic. Academic. And I guess it was started with vocational Mm-hmm. And and so we've been giving two of each the last years and such. And a lot of these kids come back after college or during college and see us and thank us and work at the porn booth. Mm-hmm. So it has been a, ve- a very good, a very good uh, cooperation. Fantastic. Great work. Now, I was reading in addition to your room rental of your facility, you also do photo and film scanning for people. Yes. Photo negatives, slides, preservation. We're able to clean up the scans, the prints, and then we put the information on a thumb drive. And the person can take that thumb drive to any place that does photo printing and have their memories, you know, they can put the thumb drive uh, on a computer and, and store it that way. Nice. It's been a real good a real good resource, and we actually have people like Walgreens that send people here mm-hmm. because otherwise you have to send your prints away, and you never know if they get to lost. North Carolina. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, I've found though in some of my research. There are a couple of co- uh, companies in Portland that deal with photo developing and some of the really exotic stuff too. So there's still a few companies around that do that. Cool. Not many. That's but. a great service though. Yeah. It is. Does somebody just contact the museum and to yep. arrange that? We had a gentleman doing it for quite a few years. He had to give it up due to eye problems. And we have another gal who did it before who's come back. And now we have one of our interns from the high school who is helping and they're getting a lot done. And we had a local business who brought in a whole bunch of, I guess it would be photos and, and notebooks. And we're doing that at this time. So 
it's a good thing that we are doing, but it also brings in a lot of interesting history for us that mm -hmm. we can keep. Yeah, no kidding. And we always ask, you know, if it's something that affects us historically, if we can scan it into our archive. Now, Ken, you also do genealogical research there at I the do. society. And I do. What is that like and what does it cost and how does it um, work? You know, I've been pretty much doing that for free. Welcome. Donations are welcome. <laughs> yes, always. Which we have had in the past with some of your people. Yep. So basically, we have an account through Ancestry.com, and I've researched, oh, probably around 60 families in the Sandy area. It started out as just a hobby, you know, just trying to figure out how people are related to each other here in town, uh, which there's a lot of, you know. and it, it was a small town and a few families. The, the current people probably wouldn't even know. Matter of fact, I just found out that Anne Marie and I were, are related through through marriage. Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, a few families in between us, but uh, yeah, they just come in. People either contact you by email, mm -hmm. or they call, mm -hmm. or they come in. And Ken spends a lot of time doing that, and he does a wonderful job, and people really enjoy it. Fantastic! And do you offer any genealogical education for people? I, well, I can help them out with getting on, getting in, and and uh, you know I show them, you know what to look for in ancestry, and I'm I'm strictly amateur, you know I, I'm no I'm not a professional. You can get started, <laughs> but I can get them started. Yes. Oh, cool. I'm sorry to interrupt Ann and Ken, but the the music in the background means it's time for a break for a few <laughs> minutes. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important messages. Mark your calendars for the Sandy Historical Society's upcoming special events. From grand festivals to intimate gatherings, the events capture the spirit of the past with live music, traditional activities, and delicious food. Experience the magic of history coming alive. Join us for unforgettable moments and create memories that will last a lifetime. Come and visit the Sandy Historical Society Museum at 39345. Pioneer Boulevard, Sandy, Oregon. For more information, connect with the Sandy Historical Society at their website www.sandyhistory.com. You can also email them at sandyhistorical at sandyhistory.com or call at 503-668-3378. They'd love to hear from you. I want to tell you about the wonderful, 
dedicated volunteers at your local museum, historical, genealogical, cultural, or preservation society, who, in spite of the daily grind, are doing so much. They help maintain the grounds, the gardens, then the records, the exhibits, the lectures, the school trips, the historic reenactments, and the events. The volunteers at your local society make all the difference in the world in collecting, saving, preserving, and sharing your local treasures and the stories about them. Volunteers from all walks of life and with all manner of expertise come together to help by being docents and creating exhibits to showcase your history. Volunteers research and document how your area grew through the years, how the streets were named, and how people of all orientations and backgrounds managed to create a cohesive community. Volunteers identify and maintain the architectural grandeur in your area and how to just have fun here. And now they're working hard in the 21st century to attract and inform a new generation through the use of technology, social media, and websites. Why do volunteers keep working so hard for these goals? The answer, they've learned the tried and true lesson that telling the true stories of our past about local people helps us understand our place in our community and to not repeat past mistakes. Stories from the past teach us, stories about the present support us, and stories about the future inspire us. We reveal these stories by talking to each other, with our members, our visitors, our neighbors, and people walking down the street. We work together to find the stories, document our past, and share. Exhibits are made from these stories, recordings are made of these stories, research is enhanced by these stories. As a volunteer you get to greet new and familiar visitors, share time with other interesting and fun volunteers, learn about, collect, and help to convey interesting true stories. Why? Because this work makes a better community and helps to shape our future. Please consider volunteering today as a way to help yourself, your family, and the community. You'll be glad you did. Transmission intercepted. We interrupt. We interrupt. We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming. This is Heather Moran, the president of the Camden Rockport Historical Society. Happy New Year from Rockport, Maine. Come on, man. You're listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. If you enjoy the show, then please tell all your friends, family, neighbors, pals, business associates, colleagues, and maybe a couple of enemies about the show. Stay tuned for more episodes at www.preservationoaks.podbean.com. We thank you so much for spreading the love. Ah, hello. Um, good evening, Mr. Martin. It's Hans here. Um, sorry to call you at home, but it's about the new building. The, um, new building we had the grand opening for last month. The $125 million building. Well, you know how we here use the metric system. Obviously. Turns out the engineers don't. So, because of that it appears to be leaning somewhat dramatically. We got jacks and might save it yet, but, um, statistically speaking it's unlikely. So please call me back, please. Have some unexpected free time coming up soon? Make good use of your free time listening to Preservation Oaks. And now, back to Preservation Oaks.
Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe. We're here today with Anne-Marie Amstad and Ken Funk from the Sandy Historical Society located in Sandy, Oregon. Let's pick up where we left off and welcome back. Thank you very much, Sean Thomas. Does your society capture oral interviews? We have in the past, not some since COVID. Mm. We had a gentleman doing some with the uh, with one of our senior living places. Mm. Uh, but we've also had some of our local, well, some of our board members have done some. And that is one of our goals, yes. is to do that. To uh, return to getting some of these interviews in because... You know, we these older gener yeah. generations, we're, they're, they're uh, unfortunately passing on and yeah. uh, their, their stories are not being preserved. Yeah. Well, good. I hope that works out for you. I very we much so appreciate that. What kinds of volunteer opportunities does the society have for members in the public? What can people do when they volunteer? They can work on the front desk. They can become guides or docents, as you call mm -hmm. it. They can work on history, ass assisting with archiving and cleaning and restoring and artifacts and cataloging and all of that. They can help with display work. They can assist, assist in, the, in the photo room. room. They can work in the library. We have a, an older lady that works in the library and has, oh my goodness, she has done so much. Mm -hmm. The cataloging, cataloging and... and uh, biographies and and researching uh, she does everything she makes sure that we have a obituary collection mm -hmm. uh, people come in and say well I think my uncle lived here or whatever and we look it up there's genealogy with Ken there's local streets and we have a lot of social things and fab well we have the sewing group mm -hmm. that helps with our gift shop and then there's people that can help with the gift shop and of course, computer people, we would love to have, too. Yeah. So oh, yeah. there's, I have a two-sided list that I give to anybody that is interested. It's on our website, and we try to meet with the person who wants to volunteer, find what they're interested in doing, training them for it, and then they're, they're pretty much giving them projects to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. So there's always something for someone to do, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> sometimes we're overwhelmed and sometimes it's a little bit smoother. Volunteers are fantastic people. They are. Well, at one time I had 60 volunteers. Whoa. I'd, and then after COVID, I'd, I'd say we have 25 to 30 involving our, of course, board members and such. But weekly, we have three or four that come weekly. Mm -hmm. And then those that come monthly, come, some come every other week. So God that's, bless them. That's what keeps us going. You bet. Yep. Now, how does the society interface or partner with other organizations within the state and county and regional area? We get information from the Oregon Historical. Mm -hmm. We get information from the... Clackamas uh, County Clackamas Historical County. Uh, Heritage. Heritage Council. Heritage Council. We... We stay in touch with a lot of the museums in the area as we are finding things that we are given that are mainly for them, mm -hmm. like Gresham, Mount Hood, those kinds of things. We just went through a, a big session with the Oregon Historical Group where, where we had a, a whole interfacing couple days where oh, we talked right. and made a lot of uh, connections. 
to other organizations in the area. So we try to keep up. We get newsletters from other area historical societies and museums, and we send them ours. Mm -hmm. And so we we have a cooperative type of uh, situation going. Fantastic. Yeah, especially with the, the bonus for membership where you have discounted admission mm -hmm. fees and things like that. That's a great partnership. And we do not charge to go through our museum. Yeah. We tell people what can. We don't believe in charging people to see their own history. So Gosh. all we ask is that they sign the guest book and, and there is a donation receptacle there, but we, we really do not want to go there. We mm -hmm. would like to have people just be able to come in. And we get a lot of repeat people because of that. Yep. And, you know, them bringing in their relatives, their friends and all that. And the shocked look on first timers when they come in, they, they're, they're going into their pocket, reaching for their wallet. And just, What's the fee? And it's free. And they're like, what? You can't be serious. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I would love to see that. <laughs> Has your society published any great books? Yes, we have. Over the years, actually starting in the 70s. 73. Mm -hmm. We have our... Andy Pioneers, Early Settlers, and Barlow Road Days. That's it has the green a long, book. It has a long title. That was done because of a centennial. And then we have Whistle Punks, Whistle Punks and Misery Whip, which that. is our orange book, which is our 100 years of logging history. Done in the 80s. And then we had our local, we call him our historian, historian. who at 80 years old wrote 80 years in the same neighborhood, which he was in on the other two books. So he just expanded on families and community things and history. A lot and, of his memories of people and right. places in the area that he grew up. And then we have Images of America, two books done by one of our board members, one on Boring, Oregon, and one on Sandy, Oregon. Wow, and nice. so we have, and then we have a lot of other historical books, but those were done by the society and members of our board. Right. Wow. And there's also a book here that we sell, and it was done with the help of Connie Revenue, and it's on the Barlow Road. And Connie is the great-granddaughter of, yep. of, of Francis of Lee. Yes. Yeah, very cool. First residence. Mm -hmm. so, what a yeah, history. We, what a wonderful history you guys have. Wow. We are proud of it, and we like to share it. Yeah, it's great. I'd like to share the contact information for the Society. Their website is www.sandyhistory.com. You can find them on Facebook at Sandy Historical Society. Their address, if you want to visit the museum, is 39345 Pioneer Boulevard, Sandy, Oregon, 97055. The phone number is 503-668-3378. You can email them at sandyhistorical at sandyhistory.com. And their mailing address is P.O. Box 652, Sandy, Oregon, 97055. Now, you also have a fantastic website. We are and hoping that 
<laughs> it, it stays that a, way. It's a work in progress. It is. Yeah, it's always. You know how technology changes and everything oh, okay. has to be maintained all the time, right? Oh, yes. Right. What kinds of things are available to do on your website? They can check the blog, which mm -hmm. is done about every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Then we're, there's Ken's. Which I need to catch up on. I've only done about four or five so far. The, the funky files. So that that was kind of a brainstorm between uh, Austin Ernesti, which is one of our board members, mm -hmm. uh, and myself. Kind of a little two-minute talk on, on various items in the, in the museum. Yeah, so those things are more recent. The rest of it is sort of sitting there, but that's okay. You can join. You, you can search historical records by going through our website and contacting us. You can mm -hmm. donate. We do have PayPal. Right. And memberships. Memberships are available. So there are, and volunteer opportunities are on there also. Mm -hmm. And you can express interest in renting the facility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I noticed that. It's a good <laughs> website. And it'll get better. That was yes. done by a former teacher at Sandy High School who was teaching websites. Ah, cool. And they, 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 they cut they his program. cut his program. <laughs> but anyhow, um, he is, he's still a local guy, and he did a very good job for us. Fantastic. Ken and Anne-Marie, can you tell the audience about any current initiatives or needs of the society that you want the people of your area to know about and support? Well, we have a need for more volunteers. Yes. You've mentioned that you're looking for an executive director. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that you're looking for someone to do maintenance on the museum. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, funds for maintenance on the museum. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's mainly, and, and volunteers to just keep everything going, because a lot of our volunteers are older. Yep. And we are unfortunately losing them due to health issues and uh and we really want to sustain what we have got what we are doing and what is happening mm -hmm. and uh yeah so we're really we need to find some grants and some things to sustain and and help us to continue some interest local interest in the in the history mm -hmm. yep i was just talking with ken over the break about whether there were any local colleges in the area that might have history majors that might help you as well. Yeah, we we had one in the past. We had a girl come and, and did things in the summer and learned a lot of things. And she is now actually a, a curator. We have tried to go to Portland State University. I don't know that Mount Hood Community College has anything in that area or Clackamas Community College, but we have reached out. You just have to find the right professor that finds people that we could use. This one worked out. She was actually with Western Oregon uh, hmm. University, but she lived in Sandy. So she was here during the summer and worked. So yes, we, we do need to have that kind of involvement. involvement. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Uh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Why is the society important to the community and what makes your organization different or unique from others? Well, I think we can learn from the past. It helps us to make decisions for now and in the future. Mm. 
But we also are unique in the fact that we are mostly volunteer. Mm. We do not have that many paid <laughs> employees, but we can't go on forever that way. Right. And so we need to know, let the community know that, that we are searching for more sustainable money coming in because all it's doing is getting more expensive <laughs> as time goes on. But, you know, on the, for the history part of that, I mean, yes. the history needs to be, Preserved. it needs to be, and it needs to be put out there, you know, shared, shared and people lose the interest in the, in the, in the past. And there's all that old axiom, you know, you, you forget your past, you lose your future. Yeah. I don't think that I said that right, but uh, well, you're doomed to repeat the mistakes. Exactly. That's, that's the, the one. one. That's the one. Right. And today is tomorrow's history. We have had some marvelous people who've grown up in this area who have become internationally known. People, we're not just a little <laughs> town where nothing happens or people don't learn or don't don't share or they don't contribute to society. And we've had some fabulous people do that and it will continue that way. Oh yeah. So we just need to, to uh, be the ones who are keeping that history and sharing it. And we're, we're, we're just, we're just here and we would like to do it as Mm -hmm. well as we can. Your area is growing. It's vibrant Mm -hmm. and it's part of the future. No doubt about it. Yep. It also appeared to me that you're space constrained, that yes. you're going to have to do something in the future about some kind of a new storage facility or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably, but I think for now, we aren't getting as many donations as we were. They, they started in 1970 collecting. And when we built this building, even before it was open to the public, we were bringing in all these things from other places, a barn, a a garage, and all of this. And it took us years to go through it. Yeah, go through it, decide what we really needed to keep, and a session that put it into the Past Perfect program. And now things are are more under control Mm -hmm. and we are being very careful that we are keeping things that we really do need. So right now we're not overwhelmed. No, or in need of a lot of of storage, but what we, in the future, it could happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That would be another concern (laughs) and another need for our society. Is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? We're here. Come and visit. You know, share you, your use, history. You use our use what we have here. You know, come and find about out about our history, and possibly yourself. You know, your 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 family. If you've never looked into your family that that lived here, I I, I really urge you to do so you can find out about any of your past family members Mm -hmm. that have been in the area we have all the high school yearbooks 
We have a lot of newspaper articles about uh, the high school, the grade schools, whatever organizations that your family were in. We are a big repository for all of that information. And we want your history. Bring us your history. I don't care if you have only lived here five years. Mm -hmm. You're still part of the community. And we mm -hmm. want you to feel that. And we also want to have you share your family history and how you got to Sandy. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you for that. I think it's great. So thank you very much. I appreciate you spending time with us today, Anne-Marie and Ken. I've really learned how beautiful your area is there in Sandy, Oregon. What a wonderfully unique area of our country you live in. And I've had a great time. So I'm really glad to meet you. Thanks for being here. Thank you very yeah, much, Sean Thomas. And with that, we'll end our time with our guests, Anne-Marie Amstad and Ken Funk from the Sandy Historical Society, located in Sandy, Oregon. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap-up, which is coming up next. Happy New Year to our listeners across the United States and worldwide. I sure appreciated meeting with Anne-Marie and Ken and learning more about Sandy, Oregon and the Sandy Historical Society. You know, it never ceases to amaze me just how much I learn about this country and about the fantastic people who are our preservation oaks with each and every episode. And this one is no exception to that rule. What an amazing history Anne-Marie shared with us about the building of the museum. That is a lesson in perseverance, community pride, and spirit. Way to go, Sandy. Sandy, Oregon has been growing steadily in population since its founding and is now growing at a rate of around 25 to 3% every year. It might be a good idea to offer all the new families that move into the area some sort of program to provide them with a grounding and an orientation in the history and culture of the area. I bet many would jump at the chance to attend something like that. Perhaps the Sandy Historical Society can partner with the city to get some kind of list of new people so they can send them an invitation. The most pressing priorities of the Sandy Historical Society are moving forward to attract and hire a new executive director to bring in donated funds for maintenance needed to the museum facility, to attract more volunteers and younger volunteers, and to ensure that revenue streams remain sound into the future. This is just me talking. But I think it might be a good idea if the society could get some genealogy and history professionals from the area to provide presentations for the members. That could certainly attract new members, volunteers, and the community. The local school system has experienced a huge growth in kids in elementary grades. These kids are going to be going into high school in the coming years, but now may be the time to reach out to them and get them more interested in volunteering. 
Perhaps start a summer program of junior docents? Just an idea. The museum is so beautiful and has so much going for it. The Sandy community should be very proud of what you've accomplished and what you're maintaining for yourselves and your children. Anne Marie and Ken seem to have something always going on within the community and are working hard on their behalf to ensure the museum remains relevant and of value. Certainly anyone looking at the membership benefits would say they are excellent and I encourage every citizen of Sandy to join the Sandy Historical Society. The benefits and value far outweigh the cost for sure and certain. The Society is supported 100% by memberships, donations, and volunteers. Please help support the Sandy Historical Society today. Anne Marie and Ken reviewed the funding and fundraising particulars of the Society so you know where the funds are going and what the priorities are, and it's all good. One last time, the contact information for the Society. Their website is www.sandyhistory.com. You can find them on Facebook at Sandy Historical Society. Their address, if you want to visit the museum, is 39345 Pioneer Boulevard, Sandy, Oregon, 97055. The phone number is 503-668-3378. You can email them at sandyhistorical at sandyhistory.com. And their mailing address is P.O. Box 652, Sandy, Oregon, 97055. All right, if questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with the Society via the contact information just provided. If you're a listener in the area the Society serves and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting the Society. I hope this information helps the audience understand how valuable the Society is to the community and what kinds of excellent services they have to offer their members and the public. The Sandy Historical Society and Museum located in Sandy, Oregon is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Cymbal Bird, Heart Drum Machine, DJ No One Music, Alan Gray, Sound Roll, Russell Frederick, and Scott Holmes. Microstream Radio is a registered trademark. You can visit us at www.microstreamradio.com. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by Microstream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of Microstream Radio. Thanks to everybody for listening. This is Sean Radcliffe. We'll see you all next time on Preservation Oaks. And until then, keep on giving and keep on living the good life.